Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, it's probably not what it once was. It's certainly not what it once was, but you still get those same energetic vibes on a day like this when the recruiting cycle comes to a close. This is the February version of National Signing Day. Most prospects sign now in December, but there is still another chance here in the in the current cycle to make your program better on a day like this. And obviously, Dog Nation's all over that and watching very closely to see exactly how UGA does that today. One of the things we're very excited about is we have broadcast live for you here right now, just after 10 a.m. Eastern time. Within a couple hours' time, we'll be back on the air again, getting ready to show you four-star defensive lineman Christian Miller as he makes his official announcement and a lot of Georgia fans do feel pretty good about this so we'll see if that uh plays itself out and if Georgia really does have its name called by Miller later on today he is a big time prospect obviously Cedar Grove has become one of the most talented programs certainly in the Atlanta area Georgia's had a pretty effective pipeline in bringing talent in from the Cedar Grove program and adding to that with Miller would be a very big deal. I thought Miller also had a kind of a cool tweet a little earlier today reflecting on his own process coming to an end now. And it is kind of funny. Like one of the things that Jeff Sintel's told us a lot over the course of the you know last few years is is that these recruits really bond together. That it's very unusual. Like I mean, if you want to go back years ago, maybe a lot of these guys just didn't really know each other very well. They didn't travel in the same circles. That's just not nearly as true anymore. There are these especially kind of I don't want to say post-pandemic because obviously we're still in it, but things are more normal than they were uh, a cycle ago. And so these guys have been to camps, they've taken visits together, and they have these you know, extended text threads where they're communicating with each other, sharing notes with each other. Obviously, having someone going through all of this the same time you are, that can be a really pretty important reset or resource. That's why these kinds of friendship form get formed, these bonds get formed with these elite recruits. And obviously, Miller, reflecting on the end of his own process, had some nice things to say about some other guys who are themselves coming to the end of their thing here today. Let me show you this from Christian Miller here on Twitter saying, congrats to all my brothers signing. You got to play with great guys and meet great guys. This is not the end for us. It's just the beginning. Just keep working. Love y'all. So it's kind of funny. Like I'm a nostalgic guy a bit and I'm always sentimental about certain things like this. And it's kind of interesting to hear a, a guy much younger than me and Miller kind of feel the same way about all of that. But obviously they have been dreaming of this moment guys like Miller and the others that have either already made their announcement already made their signature they've been dreaming of this moment for quite some time and it does come to an end today and I was telling our video audience about this a little earlier that I think that if you want to tune in today probably just before noon eastern time we show you the Miller announcement there was a time in which these kinds of recruiting battles were not a given for Georgia. And admittedly, there are a lot of folks who today probably feel pretty good uh, based on some of the chatter we've had. We've even shared you some of the enemy intel coming from other camps about what Miller might be doing, what he's expected to do. There's reason to believe that, that he might choose Georgia today. And as a Georgia fan, I hope that he does. But if that does indeed play out that way, and if this recruitment does end up kind of being drama-free, where you thought you had a chance and come to find out you did, you, you won the recruiting battle, boy, I, I think it shouldn't be lost on any of us just how much things have changed for that to be true. Because at one point in time, a program like Ohio State, and that's one of the, I would say, the prime suitors for, for Miller, a program like Ohio State was thought to have an advantage when it came to recruiting defensive linemen because they had Larry Johnson as a position coach, and they had a history of putting guys in the first round of the NFL draft. They had a track record for success that Georgia couldn't really match. There's always going to be a small number of elite defensive linemen available, and the race to get those is always going to be one of the most 
competitive recruiting battles you can have. They are long range. In other words, they go on over the course of multiple years. And the players involved are going to be probably among the most discerning and discriminating when it comes to the choice they want to make because the best of the best are all coming after them and they get to really decide who the best really is and one of the knocks on georgia for a while was the maybe lack of first round success for defensive linemen there had been a little bit of a drought at georgia in regards to that but that drought is not likely to continue past this april georgia may have a chance to have three first round defensive linemen here in this upcoming april's nfl draft and we're going to talk actually more about that subject in a moment but it speaks to a a barrier that has been pushed through for georgia a door that's been kicked in where all of a sudden now georgia doesn't take a backseat to an ohio state yes it's an in-state prospect but ohio state's come in the state before and, and, and done well when it comes to these kinds of things that that georgia just doesn't have to take a back seat to any kind of really any position group but especially the defensive line situation and for a guy like trey scott who was when he was hired at georgia was not a well-known name and was one of those guys that didn't have the big filled out resume the way in which some programs have with their defensive line coach all of a sudden now can anyone dispute that that scott while he's still young and still on mostly the front end of his, his coaching career that he's on his way to being as well known in that position group along the defensive line as probably anybody could be that's all really cool for george now the miller news today is not the only thing we're following close i mean i guess there are you know a couple of big name prospects still on the board that george is at least potentially a kind of a hat on the table if you will although i don't necessarily expect it to go the way of george for shamar stewart most of you don't really either but around the same time that christian miller makes his announcement and by the time a lot of you hear this show this will actually be a little bit more dated for you that's what's always tricky about national signing day is most of the people that listen or watch the show actually do it after it airs live and so you're going to be more acquainted with some of this news than i am right now but around that same time that miller makes his announcement you'll start watching the running back spot a bit it is kind of for the most part believe that jordan james the longtime running back commit might be on his way to maybe oregon there would have been some thought of other program getting in there too like a florida or something like that but it seems like the most likely outcome for james was oregon and maybe georgia might have been trending might be trending with another running back who we talked about on yesterday's show andrew paul out of texas private school player eye-popping stats visited georgia this past weekend and a lot of us probably started having to acquaint ourselves pretty quickly with who Paul is just on the basis of how fast the the situation went from getting that Georgia offer to getting the the visit out there in Texas and him coming back and, and visiting there in Athens a lot of us tried to really acquaint ourselves with that pretty fast excuse me for the sneeze apologize for that the point though is is a lot of us were trying to get acquainted pretty quickly and we played you the audio yesterday from Jeff Sintel from this past Friday on Dog Nation Daily saying that if you're trying to figure out what Paul is as a player and how he might fit into Georgia's plans from a running back situation, just pay attention to the fact that Georgia's battling Clemson for his services. That sometimes when it's you're not really quite so sure how level of play translate for the stats that he's putting up, or obviously the star rating, the the recruiting ranking not quite so commensurate with what Georgia typically is recruiting, especially this time of year. That, that if you're trying to make sense of all that, just pay attention to the fact that, that Georgia's battling Clemson for his services. Clemson's been a major player on the national recruiting scene for a long time. That might indicate as much as anything about what Paul is. And there have been some belief that maybe Georgia wins that recruiting battle for Paul. 
I've also heard some things in the last uh, little bit that maybe make you think that you no, know, Clemson still very much is still very ma- uh, a major player for Paul. That that you know they still very much in this battle here. There are some people that I've talked to that believe that Paul actually might go to Clemson later on today. So I'll leave the predictions on that to the experts like Jeff Sintel. But just to let you know that I've kind of heard a little bit of conflicting information about what might go down with Paul. We'll see how that plays out coming up in a couple hours' time. One way or another, though, Georgia has put another elite recruiting class together, and the punctuation mark on all of that will conclude today. There's a chance that Christian Miller is a big part of that. Other commits now officially signees, guys like Dylan Bell and Darius Smith, also expected to be a big part of that there as well, that it's been kind of nice to see in a time in which college football has become defined really by drama name image likeness transfer portal wild upsets during the season over the course of the last 12 months around college football we've really become to believe that almost anything can happen and for a lot of the big power programs the surprises that occur are often not great that there is just a level of chaos and a lack of order in this sport unlike probably any other time we've ever seen in our entire lifetime however on the field and off the field for the most part, Georgia has steered clear of all of that. Now, eventually, some of the drama is going to be at the door and addressing some of the stuff related to name, image, likeness, and and one-time transfer, and the exodus of players into the portal and out of the portal and everything else. At a certain point in time, Georgia's going to obviously have to deal with that the way that everybody else is. But it is just kind of nice to notice that Georgia, for the most part, stays above and away from the fray. It's crazy everywhere, but it's not too crazy at Georgia. Elite recruiting class, the kinds of which you've come to expect, Certainly, that's true again for the dogs here in the 2022 cycle. And today, it's also expected to get a little bit better. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Hello to you, and thank you so much for being with us today. No matter how you get to us, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all of the video platforms. Of course, those video platforms also busy later on today as we give you live coverage of Christian Miller, four-star defensive lineman, as he makes his college announcement. But for now, thanks for tuning in to watch Dog Nation Daily, whether you watch live or check in later on. Either way, we just really appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here today. Uh, Good stuff on that. And of course, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref, podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Incredible, incredible to have you as a part of our program here today. We will do more than just recruiting on today's show. It's kind of one of those interesting times where we're on the front end of certain players starting their college career. We're on the back end of certain players ending their college career. And some of that's ongoing right now in Mobile, Alabama, where a good number of Georgia players, I believe there's six in total, eight initially but quay walker james cook decided uh they didn't need to be there six in total of georgia players in mobile for the senior bowl and really the it's it's the pre-game preparations the practices things like that that's where a lot of the action seems to be in terms of determining who really is making a name for himself moving towards that pre-draft process i've told you before i'm not really a draft nick i'm not one of these guys that obsesses over every single daniel jeremiah or or uh you know, uh, Mel Kuyper, uh, Todd McShay. I mean, I like it. I like football, so I like the draft. But I'm not as obsessive over the draft as some people are. But I am certainly interested in it. We're going to talk more about that actually coming up in a moment with Mike Griffith and with you right now. In fact, let's go ahead and get into some of that here uh, as we go around the doghouse furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. Appreciate them being a part of what we're doing here today. Appreciate all of you being there as well. And, you know, I think one of the things that's really cool about this time of year is that on a, on a team like Georgia, as successful as it was this season, 
so many guys get attention and you know i think for someone someone like what i do you know this show is obviously kind of an appreciation of georgia football in some respects and you know on a show like this we're giving due credit to a guy like nicobe dean giving due credit to a guy like jordan davis giving due credit to a guy you know and you pick out whomever you want to that that earn that praise during the year but when you're as successful as georgia was when you are as deep of a roster as uga turned out to be it's almost impossible just to give full credit to everyone who deserves it and there's a guy like take Devonte wyatt for instance let me let you hear kirby smart at the end of this past season looking at wyatt and jordan davis with uh with their you know concluding their georgia career actually we don't have the uh, Devonte wyatt uh we may not have that to be able to play but if you want to go back to um senior day when when kirby smart was talking about Devonte wyatt talking about jordan davis and it was very interesting to hear the way in which he kind of put those guys together you know in the same sentence about uh you know their decision to come back and, and admittedly we gave a lot of credit to a guy like jordan davis with with good reason on a show like this i mean you know davis was i think the focal point of the georgia defense we've said all oh, you know over and over again that our reason for doing that was not because of the fact that that davis was by far and away clearly the best player on the georgia defense but i think he re- represented embodied the best attitude that really defined the georgia defense team first guys sacrificing their own individual stats and in the case of davis how many times over and over did you hear davis really pivot to celebrating his teammates and being more than happy to occupy blockers so guys like nicobe dean and others could continue to put up the kind of stats they did and we gave davis a lot of credit for that but ironically we gave so much credit to davis for being unselfish and so much credit for him being almost unsung that we probably created another unsung hero along the way with all of that there as well that person being uh Devontae wyatt but man some of the some of the praise that wyatt's getting right now at the senior bowl in mobile i think is well deserved very cool and the kind of thing that as you start moving towards the nfl draft as a georgia fan it just feels really good to hear a guy like this getting the discussion that he's getting we'll talk to mike griffith about this more in a moment let me just read you a couple things here for a moment i mentioned daniel jeremiah a moment ago here's jeremiah quoted in the story from uh, mike griffith at dognation.com saying that he's my pick to make the most money here it's the suddenness you see from wyatt um uh the expectation that he's going to run in the uh in the four eights or under in the 40 yard dash at 307 pounds i just think that's i just think that's incredible that's that that's really amazing to to hear a guy like that getting the attention that that he's getting uh and and, and that kind of praise from a guy like jeremiah who of all these pre-draft guys is probably the guy i probably respect more than anybody else uh, at least i respect as much as anybody else and giving that kind of praise and that kind of love to Devonte wyatt is a uh, is a really cool thing i'll give you another quote here this is coming from uh, charles davis who says uh how about Devonte wyatt from the university of georgia uh the big defense tackle has won all of his one-on-ones and then even in team periods he's had a uh, major impact so dave's another guy that you like a guy that's all over your tv all the time he's saying good things right now about Devonte wyatt there as well uh, it's just a really cool thing to be able to see. And I think it does speak to the the lineage that Georgia's creating along its defensive line, that the best commercial you can possibly have is the kind of stuff that Georgia has going on right now. Big production from Trayvon Walker, big production from Jordan Davis, big production from Devontae White, leading to a national championship. And now those guys get a chance to go and make a bunch of money for themselves at the NFL level. And make no mistake about it. People are always fixating on this NIL stuff. Name, image, likeness. Name, image, likeness. Oh, what's so-and-so school doing? The kind of money we're talking about for name, image, likeness 
are like coins between your seat cushions compared to what you have a chance to make as an NFL player. There is there are very, very few name image likeness type deals that truly rival the kind of life changing money you make when you succeed at your full potential at the NFL level. That's just a fact. And so the real payday, the real opportunity to cash in is coming for guys like Devontae Wyatt right now at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. It's great to see him earning praise for doing that and great to see him now finally getting the full credit he deserves for the impact he made on Georgia when he decided to come back here for the 2021 season. That is Around the Doghouse. It's furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. And listen, a guy like Devontae Wyatt, maybe he's about to live in a big old mansion, have all kinds of bedrooms and living rooms and all kinds of space around the house that needs a bunch of furniture. Maybe you find yourself in the same situation. Maybe not quite as big a house as Devontae is about to live in, but uh, certainly your own living space there as well. And you just want to make it look the best you possibly can. You want it to feel the best you can possibly make it there as well. That is where Rooms to Go comes in on all of this. They, whether it be the individual piece of furniture or the thing they've been famous for for a long time, which is the entire room. That's why they're called Rooms to Go. So if you need that entire bedroom suit, you need that entire living room, that entire outdoor patio type thing, you know, Rooms to Go knows how to pair all these pieces together and create something that really looks the way you want it to look for your children's bedroom, for your own bedroom, whatever else, whatever room we're talking about inside or outside your house, Rooms to Go really has you covered in all of that. So it's a great time as we start the new year, you start heading towards spring. People think about spring cleaning, freshening up the look around your home. Well, that's what Rooms to Go can step up and help you do. So find them online at roomstogo.com. That's roomstogo.com. Or you can uh, stop by in store. That's one of the things I like to do. I like to be in the store, in the showroom, sit on the furniture, feel it, lay on it, feel how comfortable it is because at Rooms to Go, it really is. And just really enjoy that. Whatever way you want to start your shopping experience, you can do that at Rooms to Go today. Rooms to Go.com or in store to check out all the great things that room things that Rooms to Go has going for you. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Appreciate Mike Griffith uh, squeezing us in a few minutes here in Mobile, Alabama. Mike, a few moments ago before we uh, were talking to you, before you joined us, we were talking about your story at DogNation.com with uh, Devontae Wyatt, what guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Charles Davis have said about him. We've seen some of the video coming out there as well. Nice to see Wyatt get some of the attention that he deserves. I'd certainly heard from a lot of folks during the season. They thought he was as athletic as really anybody playing at the big, you know, kind of the big guy level of the SEC, and he's getting that attention, much deserved. Uh, what's been your impression of seeing him there in person? Yeah, Devontae's just so excited. You know, he's just off to such a great start. Um, you know, like you said, you saw the video and how well he's playing. And, um, you know, a lot of the, nat- you know, the, the neat thing is a lot of this national championship excitement, the players are still carrying that with them. And, you know, they're really feeding off that. And, um, you know, just a lot of happy you're talking to him, Jamari, Darian Kendrick. Um, you know, the Georgia guys are just really representing themselves really well, Brandon. They're really enjoying this event and they're really raising their stock. Yeah, you mentioned that about the national championship, you know, for such a long time. You know, those of us who are Georgia fans have been forced to endure the other teams getting a chance to celebrate, the other teams getting a chance to be the ones getting the pats on the back and all the love in an event like this, or really any of the postseason stuff, pre-draft stuff that goes on there. And, you know, I think a lot of us over the course of the years have been forced to have that, well, 
what needs to happen next year to to have the results be different you know there's sometimes a a quick desire to turn the page because you're ready for a new narrative to emerge but I'm actually kind of happy to hear these Georgia players still have those smiles in their face about what they accomplished because listen for a lot of UGA folks they waited a long time to be the ones who were getting all of the praise in a situation like this that national championship was hard earned it was earned against a lot of the folks who are also there uh, in Mobile right now, too. So I'm actually really happy to hear that. Yeah, and, and even the way it, it played out. I mean, everybody wants a perfect season, but, you know, I think it was a little extra special for those guys that, you know, that they were able to bounce back from adversity one more time. You know, after the SEC championship game, the way they recommitted, the way they dug deeper, the way they applied all those lessons that they learned and, and referred back to their whys, the things that got them where they were at, um, it, it's almost like they take an added pleasure out of the fact, you know, that they were able to recommit and, and elevate even higher than they were during the regular season. Now, they're still having some fun. You know, I'll tell you that. Uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, Federian Mathis quote uh, yesterday where he said, well, we still run the SEC. And I was standing there talking to Devontae Wyatt, and I said, you know, yesterday Mathis said this, and I didn't even realize Mathis was standing right there. And he came over, and you'll see video of this later. He actually jumped in the screen uh, with Devontae and say, we did run the SEC, and they're still having fun yeah. with it. You know, and that's when you that's when you pull back the curtains and you see how much uh, fun these young men have with the game and with one another. It just gives you such a, uh, a great appreciation for college ball. I, just, I feel like now we just don't see as much of it. Everything, you know, kind of behind the curtain. We don't get the access. We don't really get to see the fun uh, and the charisma that these guys have. Um, but to see these guys interacting like that and, and to see the Bama player and, and Devontae Wyatt kind of trash-talking each other, and really even to visit with Jermaine Johnson and Cade Mays today about Georgia was really interesting and fun and, and um, it just kind of reminded me, you know, gosh, why I like college football so much. Well, on the Jermaine Johnson front for a moment, since you bring that up, I'll go there. You know, like one of the theories that I've kind of put out there is, is that while it's very easy to understand why someone like Johnson would want to go to a place where you can get more stats at Florida State. Hello, Brandon, did. there? I got you now. Okay, good. The, the question I was asking about Jermaine Johnson, you know, he leaves, goes somewhere else, obviously puts up big stats, and it's easy to understand why a player would want that. But, Mike, do you think that Jermaine Johnson became a better player simply because he had better stats? In other words, these are draft scouts that are going to pay attention and notice you wherever you go, be it at a place like Florida State where you're the only guy or at a place like Georgia where the ensemble guy. Do you think that Johnson ends up getting drafted higher because he was in a starring role at Florida State as opposed to being at Georgia where he would have been – in more of a complimentary role? You know, hard to say, Brandon, really hard to say. You know, you know, Jermaine made the move, uh, you know, because he wanted more reps. And at Georgia, they rotate more. And, you know, it worked for him. He was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. And yet, when I heard the NFL Network uh, folks breaking him down, you know, this event is so important to Jermaine because he didn't see the sort of talent that he would have seen week in and week out in the SEC. So, kind of a six to one, half dozen to the other. You know, the promising thing that came out in my interview with Jermaine today, and, and I, you, you probably remember, I interviewed him at ACC Media Days, mm-hmm. and he said he was going to be rooting for Georgia or Clemson, and and uh, and he did. And, and he was thrilled to watch Georgia win a national championship. He said, I knew that was going to happen. He said, I knew when they lost to Bama, they were going to come back and win. Um, he said, those are my brothers. You know, he still talks with all these guys. He still talks with the Georgia guys. And, you know, there's, he's still considered, you know, part of their family, right, and vice versa. I mean, these guys are tight like that, and, um, I think it was the right move for him, though, because it was what he needed. It was what he wanted. And, you know, we all want to be in situations that enable us to be at our best. And, you know, Jermaine felt like that transition to Florida State could do that for him. So I don't know that it, it made him any better. 
I, I, I wouldn't say it made him any worse. I think it was just something that he wanted to do in his collegiate career, and, and, and good for him that he was able to do that. I mean, he had a couple of great years at Georgia. He wouldn't trade up for anything. And then he had a spectacular uh, season at Florida State. And, you know, Cade Mays kind of had the same attitude. Talking with him, it was like, look, you know, loved my time at Georgia. I wouldn't trade the time with my little brother at Tennessee for anything, though. And, and he was happy to see Georgia win, too. So, you know, you want to root against these, oh, he went somewhere else. You know, they're not our guy. I don't know. They're always going to be a part of Georgia, and they're happy for Georgia, too. So help me out with this for a second, because one of the things I spent almost the entire offseason a year ago talking about was that if you looked at recent national champions, that magic number in the first round was something in the neighborhood of six. Like you got to have about six first-rounders if you wanted to really be a true national champion. And lo and behold, Georgia did have a huge breakout season from a number of these kind of draft guys. I don't quite know they get to six in the first round, though. You could get three yeah. defensive linemen with Davis, Wyatt, and Walker. Dean could be there as a linebacker. I guess what Darian Kendrick could be there as a cornerback. Like, like who who do you view as the first round options for Georgia in this upcoming NFL draft? And some of that based on what you're seeing right now. Um, you know, I think Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean and Trevon Walker. I think those are the three guys that that I think are slam dunk first rounders. I think Devontae's trying to work his way into it. I think George Pickens has a chance to be a first round pick. I've seen Darian projected there, Darian Kendrick, and I had a chance to visit with him. Really nice kid. Um, I don't know that he's going to get there. He, he needs a better day than he had yesterday. He'll be the first to tell you yesterday was a little rough on him. Um, but I'd say three for sure, and then maybe Pickens or maybe Wyatt. And, and, but then, B.A., there's guys right behind in the second round. I mean, Jamari Salyer, and you, you mentioned Wyatt. Yeah. I think that, you know, Jamari Salyer is another guy that, you know, is just so versatile, can do so many different things. And, um, you know, Georgia could – could set the NFL record for most draft picks from one team at 15. And you, you can go down in your head, you can write them down. And, but to me, the 14 and 15, the guys that are 14 and 15 for Georgia to break that record would be John Fitzpatrick and Jake Camarda, because you're definitely going to have the first 13 picks. I mean, this is slam dunk. They're going to all be at the combine. But if John Fitzpatrick and Jake Camarda get picked, Georgia's going to have 15 guys drafted. That's going to break the record that LSU set the year that Joe Burrow led the Tigers to the national championship. Well, the cool thing for me about that is, and I've said this before, is that there really is, for whatever reason, a strong correlation between individual goals and team goals, that there really is no other way to win a national championship Having a, without having a bunch of NFL guys that that you know there's that, that's just the way it's going to occur and you're right you know while it's typically been like say six first round guys if you've got you know four first round guys and a handful of second round guys that you're essentially still as talented a, a, as you need to be but you can't be less talented than that and it would be cool to see that many guys get drafted by Georgia I mean we've heard some some praise already for a guy like Fitzpatrick for what he might be able to do a little bit like what Charlie Warner is doing for the San Francisco 49ers but it's a cool thing about football in that the individual goals of players who obviously want to get paid seems to correlate pretty well with the kind of team success that only occurs for those who have a collection of, of, of that kind of talent well and, and what this does is it's it's the commercial for georgia right i mean not only do you get a great education not only do you get to come to a really cool town you, you know how i am about athens and games in sanford stadium i don't think there's any place better you know, not only do you get, and, and, and if you're a Georgia player, by the way, you have such a tremendous high school program, the great coaches. I, I hope people realize just how great the high school coaching is in Georgia. I mean, it is really a level above of what you're going to get in many of these border states. That's part of the secret sauce is these tremendous Georgia high school programs, even the facilities. 
uh, high school facility. I could go on and on about Georgia high school football, but 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 not only maybe do you get to stay a little closer to home where people can, but now you go to a place where fifteen guys, you know, Kirby Smart and the staff can get you ready for the NFL, right? So now the the final piece, and we got a whole offseason to talk about this, and we will. The final piece is, can you get the NIL deal? And that's where everybody is in a, a, a gold rush. It's it's not just anymore who has the best recruit. Yeah, you hire BMAC, that's great. But but where do I sign on the dotted line for the for the money, coach? I mean, now the the real gold rush is for who can come up with the best infrastructure game plan to set up these NIL deals. Because you talked a moment ago, Brandon, about the importance of getting talent. And yes, the facilities are big and the new football building is big and putting 15 guys in the NFL and having good coaches and likable coaches and good relationships. But now it's who can get that money to, to, together to get these kids set up with NIL deals. And, and I know George is working on a plan. I know the rules are very fluid. But to me, this is a real time of upheaval in college football with the one-time transfer, uh, which which gives and takes from Georgia, right? Because there's an overabundance of talent. Now guys may not stick around and wait. Uh, but then again, guys are going to want to come to Georgia because they're winners, so that door swings both ways. But also these NIL deals, and to me, that's where the corporate involvement is going to be so big. Can you get a Coca-Cola? Can you get a Delta on board? Do you have any inherent booster corporate types that are going to be able to bring those corporations on board to help sponsor uh, football players? Um, let me shift gears in this, the time that we have left. Georgia hired a wide receivers coach. Obviously, since you and I last spoke on this program, Brian McClendon. We heard it from you a little bit on this we went live on Sunday, but McClendon back in the fold, a place he's had some success at UGA, obviously a great recruiter, the previous stop here as an assistant coach. He's had a lot of responsibility at some of his jobs since then, and now he's back in a wide receiving uh, coaching role here at UGA. What do you make of the addition of McClendon? I think it's exciting. I, you know, when you look at everything he's done in his career, his, you know, his level of you know, sophistication, uh, you know, he's been a coordinator before. I, I think he was even interim head coach. I mean, he's coached at a lot of different levels, and I think, I think it makes it a little bit easier for Todd Munkin, and 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 the, everything that you can do to keep Todd Munkin happy. I mean, he is the true golden goose on that offensive side of the ball. I mean, he he's a guru. I, I think he's absolutely integral to Georgia's success. I think he's the key to Arch Manning, and and I think if you surround him with great coaches like that. And, and even a guy like Mike Bobo, I mean, that's a guy that, you know, I, I think Monk is going to want to sit down and, and just talk with Bobo. Just let's, let, you know, exchange ideas and share philosophies. I mean, great coaches love, love to break it down with one another and talk about different str- – I think it helps Kirby smart, right? Because Kirby does have that pre-existing relationship with Bobo and, 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 and BMAC speaks Georgia, and, you know, and, and tying Kirby in with Monk and, you know, the offensive guru and the defensive coach – it's kind of an apples and oranges thing. I'm not saying they can't coexist, but there's typically challenges, right? They're from two universes. And, and I think that helps Kirby even more to have a guy like BMAC on staff. And it certainly adds uh, more flavor, more Georgia flavor to Georgia. So how can you become any more Georgia than you already are? Well, you bring back guys like Bobo and BMAC. They are Georgia. And, and how easy is it, how much easier is it to sell the program when you, it's like when you talk about Dog Nation, Brandon, when I've seen you interact with fans and, and when you're out and about and people ask you about Dog Nation. I mean, that's, it's who you are. It's what you are. And it's really easy, you know, for, for you to share information on it because you're such a big part of it. And, and I would say the same thing for Bobo and BMAC and George. 
Mike, good stuff. Thanks for being here. Enjoy your time in uh, Mobile. Get yourself some shrimp and some uh, Gulf seafood, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, getting a chance to talk to you very soon. Thanks, man, and have a good one. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. By the way, speaking of uh, shrimp and seafood and all kinds of good eating, you get that as well when it comes to Royal Caribbean. Let's go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And one of the cool things that you know exists now, and you know, if you haven't taken a cruise in a long time, you may not be fully aware of this or all the specialty dining options that exist on a lot of these Royal Caribbean cruise ships. You're talking about Chops Grill, which is a great steakhouse. Uh, you have all kinds of specialty restaurants that bring all kinds of different cuisines. And I think that's one of the things that's probably the most amazing. We can actually bring that music down just a little bit more if you don't mind, but uh, just a tiny bit. But if if you haven't experienced that before, this is a great time to find out that there are a lot of choices and options for great food for you now on a cruise ship. You know, you have the My Time Dining where you get a chance to eat at a time that's convenient for you, or you have a chance to pick your own specialty restaurant and get that really cool meal with, uh, you know, all kinds of great premium ingredients and, and great uh, cuisine. It's just a really great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship as they just set a new standard for what it's like to be entertained and relaxed on the sea. That's why I love telling their story to you each and every day when we talk here. And of course, the Cruise and Vacation Authority, that's the organization that we use anytime we're booking a Royal Caribbean cruise. And so many of you know this as well. It's the Cruise and Vacation Authority that we're talking about here. So you can check them out online at tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or you can give them a call 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. All right, let me do, Mike mentioned NIL. We're going to get to that here in a moment. Let me do a couple of other stories before we get there. A lot being made today of the fact that former Auburn defense coordinator Kevin Steele, and at one point in time, the guy that was thought to be the next head coach at Auburn, <laughs> that was that weird soap opera that went on there for a while, had taken the job as Maryland defensive coordinator, just showed up there. I mean, like they literally just put his nameplate on the door there in his office. And it seems like that uh, Steele may be on the move again to actually become Miami defensive coordinator. Now, first of all, Miami, for this program they're trying to be a power program and resurrect itself under Mario Cristobal they have had a heck of a hard time hiring coaches they're always strutting around bragging about name image likeness deals for uh their players but part of me continues to be how are you going to brag about paying players if so far you can't even successfully pay your coaches like like there's a whole part of that that has not really made a lot of sense to me but but Steele appears to be leaving Maryland to go to Miami and for a lot of folks they're going to bring up the hypocrisy here of oh we complain about players being on the move but but we don't complain about these coaches being in the move and I guess in a roundabout way enforcing some level of contract for the coaches makes some sense if you're going to ask the same thing about the players but in the case of Steele I mean he just got to Maryland I'm not quite so sure this is the kind of thing where a lot of Maryland players feel jilted I'm they probably don't know who he is they never met him and all of a sudden he's moving uh moving on now but you know that coaching carousel continues to spin with all of this I think that's important to remember also quarterback carousel spinning a bit too so we know Jackson Dart's on his way to Ole Miss transfer out of USC there's a big introduction for him but speaking of USC, they also made it official yesterday with Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma quarterback, former Oklahoma quarterback, going there to L.A. A couple of things come up on this. Uh, I've seen it asked, well, what do you think about the former Oklahoma coach taking the former Oklahoma quarterback with him to USC? There was a time in which this would not have happened. There was a time in which this would have been considered very bad form. I guess we no longer really live in that era. And for the most part, I don't really have much of a feeling about that one way or another. That's 
you know, I, th I think it's worth asking, um, you know, is this the kind of thing that, that ought to be going on here? A little bit of an unfair influence as a former coach, you know, coach leaves, taking those players with them. That sets up a pretty chaotic situation in college football, but maybe that's just the way that people want things to be now. I don't have a strong opinion about that. I have a stronger opinion about this, though, is that USC is a very big name program. It's Los Angeles, second biggest media market in the country. It is the hope that football can be relevant west not even west of mississippi more like west of the rocky mountains like this is the hope like oregon's kind of that but usc is very much that and so there is a great desire for williams transferring to usc to be a game changer for the sport oh this makes everything different suddenly lincoln riley the coach has the quarterback that usc hasn't been getting and this is just going to change the fortunes of uh, of everything with this program i simply don't believe that's going to be the case uh yes you'll have williams there and yes williams i think is a good quarterback um and you know he'll have a couple good receivers to throw to but this is not going to make usc a playoff contender this move alone now what happens let's say year three uh with caleb Williams, or i should say year two with williams and usc in the third year of his career maybe at that point in time can you put more of a roster around him but this alone is not going to be a game changer. This alone is not shifting the balance. It may not even fully shift the balance in the Pac-12. It is certainly not shifting the national balance in favor of USC at all. That we just, we fixate on quarterbacks, make a big deal about quarterbacks. But in the case of Williams going to LA, this decision is going to have zero impact on the college football playoff. It is just a non-issue when it comes to who's playing for the college football playoff. It is just not going to happen that way. But obviously gets a lot of attention right now because of it is USC. Something else that gets a lot of attention is Jim Harbaugh reportedly interviewing today for the Minnesota Vikings job. And obviously, this is interesting to folks for a couple of reasons. First of all, it is technically National Signing Day. It speaks to how much this day has changed. It also speaks to how much Harbaugh on National Signing Day has changed. Like It wasn't that long ago, a few years ago. That he was having these big pomp and circumstance national signing day events with like Derek Jeter and Tom Brady and I think even Ric Flair at one point in time. That's one of the 15 different college teams that Ric Flair cheered for. Um, you know, he's having all these huge events on national signing day. And now he's tail between his legs, basically, you know, going back to the NFL because he determined that the folks down south, like the Georgia Bulldogs and the Orange Bowl, they just play too rough. The college ball is not really for him. And you know, this gets a lot of attention. Oh my gosh, how much has college ball changed? Because a guy like this is interviewing on National Signing Day. It speaks to the way in which the calendars change. But I would add to this, and I apologize for going on a soapbox, but just for a quick second, let me just say this. That the real issue with like this current cycle that we're in is not Harbaugh interviewing for the Vikings, because I simply don't think he wants to be in college football anymore. It's not coach interviewing for an NFL job. Look around the sport today. How many coaching staffs are on vacation today? How many coaching staffs don't view today as a work day for their program? And you'll say, well, part of that's because of you know, the December signing day. They did their recruiting work back then. And in some cases, that's true. But it ain't true in all the cases. Unfortunately, there's a level of middle tier, lower tier program that no longer views high school recruits as the number one mechanism for how they populate their roster with talent. I'm telling you right now, that may be good for the sport it may not be good for the sport but it's not good for the players who play the sport this is the one thing i think we forget because you know we're a georgia football show and we spend all, all of our time talking about the kind of player who's good enough to play to place like georgia for him transfer portal is an option because he may be able to transfer and find a place to play most of the guys who go into the portal have nowhere to play 
Uh, it may be you know relevant to have an NIL conversation about the kinds of players that we talk about here because they are the best of the best, and those are the ones who are getting all of those kinds of revenue opportunities. But for the average player for the average program, if you go speak to them at the high school level, here's what they want. They want a chance to play. They are not sifting through a 1,000 offers trying to decide which one to accept, and they are not banding together with their fellow players about unionizing and demanding this and demanding that. They're not demanding anything. They're begging. They're begging for a chance to play. And unfortunately, and for whatever reason, nobody really wants to cover this. But for whatever reason, um, it ought to get more attention the fact there are fewer players this year that will sign a scholarship than the year before. And there were fewer players the year before that signed a scholarship than the year before that. The number of players at the high school level who we are giving a chance to play college football is going down. And I said before, you can decide for yourself if that's good for the sport, but it's not good for the majority of players who play this sport. Talk to any high school football coach. They'll gladly tell you anything you want to know about that. That's a real problem right now for our sport. It's not getting as much attention. People fixate on Harbaugh, maybe you know, pushing the eject button and going to the NFL. But there are a lot of other coaching staffs today who aren't exactly working the phones, aren't exactly burning the candle at both ends because – they just simply rather have a transfer player than a high school player. And maybe that benefits them short term, but I am not sure it benefits the sport long term. Now, speaking of transfers, one more thing on this. I want to give you a, a quote from Lane Kiffin. This is kind of interesting. It's got a lot of attention. A lot of the things that Kiffin does say do get attention. So let me give you this here for a moment. So Kiffin, uh, I'm going to read this from ESPN. It says, um, let me find the quote. So basically, he's concerned about the NIL money being thrown around. He says about his place there at Ole Miss. He says, we don't have the same funding resources as some of these schools do for these NIL deals. It's basically dealing with different salary caps. Now we have a sport that has completely different salary caps, and some of these schools have whatever, five to ten times more than everybody else what they can pay the players. I know nobody uses those phrases, but it is what it is. Now, there is a degree to which what Kiffin says is probably true, that Ole Miss is not as resourced as other SEC programs. He references like some of the stuff that Texas and Texas A&M have going on, A&M in the SEC. Texas will be here soon. And that's true. Ole Miss will always be at a resource disadvantage in comparison to those other programs, and that's the kind of thing that Ole Miss has dealt with for a while. There's also the tone of all of this, though, that comes across as excuse-making. Like One of the reasons why I don't think Lane Kiffin actually truly emerged as a real candidate for any real coaching job this offseason, even though every media member and every fan wanted to make him be that guy, but the actual ADs that hire coaches didn't seem to be all, all that interested in him is because of stuff like this. Like whatever the actual situation is, you're not allowed to just sort of shrug it all off and say, oh, well, we can't recruit high school players, so therefore we're going to bring in a 1,000 transfers. That's just not what a leader of men is supposed to do when Kiffin comes across as less than that when he says these kinds of things. And while it is probably true that A&M, no matter how much it denies this, is using NIL to benefit its recruiting class, I think when someone like Kiffin says the kinds of things that he says, I think it runs the risk of dangerously exaggerating what's exact what's actually going on in the world of college football and potentially poisoning the minds of players about how much money they have a chance to get somewhere else. All of a sudden, now you've got way more players looking at the transfer portal because Lane Kiffin says everybody's getting paid tons of money. But when you look at the people who are actually willing to truly dig up and go on the record about some of this kind of stuff, now, maybe after a year, some of this changes. But as of right now, the actual numbers say something a little bit different. I want to show you this from the Associated Press. I'm actually going to read this to you a little bit. So when you look at the NIL deals that exist, I thought this was kind of amazing. 
um, that the average compensation for an athlete across Division One, Division Two, and Division Three, according to the main organizations that I guess chronicle all this kind of stuff, this this is the Associated Press. This is as real as it gets. The average compensation is twelve hundred ninety-one dollars. If you average up everybody who's got an NIL deal, stretch it across all the athletes playing at the NCAA level, the average compensation is twelve hundred ninety-one dollars. That what Lane Kiffin says sounds really scary and really loud, and oh my gosh, this is a crisis. But when you actually look at what the Associated Press is reporting based on the organizations that, that keep track of all this kind of stuff, it's $1,291. Now, here's what's really interesting. While that's the average for, uh, for, for the for NCAA athletes, how about the median? The median means the exact middle, just as many above it as below it. Do you know what the median NIL transaction is for an NCAA athlete for this past year, according to the Associated Press? $51. Not $51,000, not $5,100, $51. And listen, all of that may change. We may find out all kinds of stuff that's going on right now that hasn't been fully reported yet. All that may change. But for now, according to the Associated Press, the median NIL transaction is 51 bucks, And the average compensation for an NCAA athlete across all three divisions is slightly over $1,000. That I think it's really easy to get fixated on what's really scary about NIL because, frankly, there's a lot going on we don't quite know about yet. But the stuff that we do truly know about, the stuff that we tr- truly can tangibly measure, it's actually not quite as robust as some folks kind of suggest that it is. So just kind of keep that in mind. And uh, let me also remind you, speaking of big bucks, now, in a, <laughs> college athletes may not be cashing in on big bucks, but that doesn't mean that you can't cash in on some big bucks for yourself there when it comes to our friends at uh, BetUS. Are we doing this today? Maybe we're not doing this. Are we doing BetUS today? Yeah, we're doing BetUS today. Uh, so cash in with our friends at BetUS, and you can get your own NIL deal. Make, you may pay your own NIL deals, but you got to use the promo code DN125 to take advantage of that. So go to BetUS.com, use the promo code DN125, and take advantage of their big deposit bonus. This is real money. This is money in your account. You put in 100 bucks, they're going to put in 125 bucks on top of that. Whatever you put in, they're going to give you 125% more than that with their 125% sign-up bonus check them out today betus.com promo code dn125 and they will take really good care of you by the way speaking of uh, a&m and its nil deals i thought it was really funny our buddy mad dog will give him a golden shoe for this you know lane kiffin saying when he's saying everybody else saying that there as well uh he's got the oil rig in the background jimbo fisher holding on to the hundreds of dollars we don't get to see the hatless jimbo there in that picture with his newly grown hair which is the biggest scandal of them all when it comes to Jimbo. But nonetheless, Mad Dog says, looks like Texas oil money securing that number one recruiting class. And a lot of folks who believe that's how A&M has put it together. So we'll find out how much of that we ever really learn about. But nonetheless, uh, Mad Dog, very prolific golden shoe winner. We'll give him another one there for that one. Very funny stuff in regards to Jimbo. How about the lousy stinking Gators? They can't even pay anybody to come play there. Uh, how about uh, 4,773 days? And that has how long it's been since that poverty program won a national championship. And coming up, Gatorhead countdown in just... 269 days georgia goes back to jacksonville gets another win against the lousy stinking gators that's always fun to think about you have a great day i'll see you back on video in a bit for the christian miller announcement this is dog nation daily